As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hello and welcome to the Game Football Podcast from The Times. Today it's time to celebrate. No, it's not someone's birthday again, but goals. How do we celebrate them? Should you go for it or be a bit more reserved? Is mockery all good or just plain rude? We'll also be talking Chelsea, Jesse Lingard and cooling off periods. And joining me, Tom Clark, to discuss all of that. We have the chief correspondent for The Times and Sunday Times, Martin Samuel, a former footballer who was fond of a simple celebration, hands in the air with a big beaming grin, and he's smiling again today, it's Tony Cascarino, and another former footballer who, in the only picture I could find of him celebrating a goal on the internet, he's shouting in euphoria with a clenched fist as his Nottingham Forest side beat QPR. It's Mr Chuckles himself, it's Gregor Robertson. Good goal, that. Johan Folly, apparently, for Nottingham Forest against QPR. Yeah, if he cut, wasn't it? Yeah, you are absolutely buzzing. The haircut is bad. Though, the haircut's awful, yeah. Yeah, bit yeah. of a mullet. mullet. Yeah. They were in there, weren't they? The early noughties mullet, yeah, I had one myself as a teenager. Anyway, with one man with a reason to celebrate, chaps, Mauricio Pochettino. He'd listened to us on Monday's show, given an absolute coating for how rubbish his side are. Mm. Then he'd read Martin Samuel's column on Tuesday, <laughs> saying, watch out, boys, you're only getting worse. And he got into his team and he said, look, these chumps at the Times think we're rubbish. <laughs> You need to go out there against Aston Villa and show them what for. And they did. They turned it around, Martin. Yeah, they did. No, they did. They played very well. Very well. They had one of their one good games in over many years. <laughs> um, but that's where they need to be all the time. Yeah. That's, what, with the money they've invested, that's where they need to be all the time. What was good about it? You know, all jokes aside, like what, what did you see? What was see good about that... it was that the two midfield players looked It looked like a cohesive um Midfield again, uh, Caicedo and uh, Fernandez. Um, they looked they looked very good. What you know, they scored early, which early-ish, which you know, which Chelsea need. You know, we've all seen the stats about XG and everything, and whether whether you're greatly invested in XG or not, expected goals. Um, there was this statistic knocking around that if Chelsea had a finisher, they would be six point places higher up the table. Um, so that that stuff went right. He, he, he dropped Thiago Silva. Now, whether that's temporary or whether that is that is the future, Thiago Silva um, has been a, a bit of a problem this season because he's gone from being... Um, their most reliable defender, who happens to be thirty-nine, to looking like a thirty-nine-year-old defender, which which he wasn't the case before. Um, everybody, particularly at the back, there often seems to be a season where it, 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 you know someone is now inexorably on the way down, and this would appear to be the season 
too far, perhaps, at the very highest level for Thiago Silva. So he removed him from the team. Um, and it all it all came good. And, and, and that's, you know, there was good performances. Gusto and, and, and people like that played well. But they have done this before. There's been, you know, there's been games where you've seen Gusto and thought, there's a player there, he's mm. actually, he's, he's a player. And, you know, you've seen individual performances from players that you think, yeah, this is it. This is now, if they can get this together, on, on they go. So now they've got to get it together. They've got to get it together on the, the weekend. Mo- they've got a- Monday, they've got Crystal Palace. Monday, they're sorry. At, they're yeah. at Crystal Palace. Yeah. And then they've got Manchester City the Saturday after. Um, Tony, obviously you've been very critical of your former club, and rightly so, given their poor performances. But they are in the final of the um, Carabao Cup, of course, yep. and they're now progressing <clears> in the FA Cup. Are the Cups enough for Poch this season? Well, it would be this year, because what we've seen is a mess. Um, Do you think he has to win one, though? Well, when you're in a final, um, look, Chelsea's a football club has been a club. Expectation is winning. Um, I mean, Poch keeps telling everybody, you know, you've got to forget the past. This is different. Well, they spent a billion pounds. You, you know, you can't really forget it that easy. You expect it to challenge. You know, why was the money spent? It was to keep up with everybody else. Um, it's a difficult one with Chelsea because we haven't seen that performance of 90 minutes all season. I was shocked. You go on previous results, you look at you know what they were last week against Liverpool and Wolves, and then you look at Villa at Sheffield United, and yes, they played the team at the bottom and won 5 0 and took them to the cleaners. And then Villa played like Chelsea, and Chelsea played like Villa. Mm-hmm. And it was a really weird. I mean, how do you predict football? You know, how do you really <laughs> mm-hmm. predict that result and that performance last night? We know we talked about expected goals. What, three great finishes? Yeah. You know, Conor Gallagher, he hasn't done that all season with Chelsea. He hasn't got a Premier League goal. He's scored goals in the cup, but he's generally a mm. good finisher and has been at Crystal Palace. Mm. Jackson's header, good finish. Free kick, you know. Fernandez, another great effort. You know, I I think there's a lot of answers still to be made by Chelsea. That was a very convincing performance that we just haven't seen. It's hard to explain. It's like saying to someone, no, you know, explain water. What does water taste like? <laughs> Did you try to explain what water tastes like? Honestly, I it thought... It tastes like water. I thought... I, I thought... <laughs> I thought Alison Rudd's fox analogy on Monday was good and now we've got Tony Cascarino with philosophy about water. I bought some powdered water once but I didn't know what to add. Yeah. Yeah. Oh dear, very yeah. good. Yeah. Almost Stephen as good. Light joke. Almost as good as Do you know what I mean, Tom? It's like trip. No, it's certainly very confusing. Trying to explain that last night because I'm watching it and I'm thinking... Madiwaki was terrific up at, up at, mm. up against Moreno. He was giving him an absolute roasting. Then you see Jackson on the left, and you're thinking all he's doing is really running that right, like the left side, just running mm. and making space for other players. And it felt like, I mean, the midfield three looks a three to me. I do think Gallagher, Fernandez, and Caicedo, who I said to you the other day, we were we were chatting. He missed the preseason. Mm. He was nowhere near fit enough, and he's paid the price for that all year. Greg, I just want to finish with Villa. This is a disappointment for them. I can't about Chelsea. I'm sorry. No, no. You say enough they, about Chelsea all the bloody time. You're always slagging them off. Well, Unless you've got well, something nice to, to say. It. You've got something nice to it, say. You take Thiago Silva out of the team and, and their average age was 22.8. Mm. So that I think that, that really probably is how you explain it. They've mm. gone too much, you know, too much yeah. too soon. Yeah. We've been saying it for a long time. And sometimes they can have these nights and it's like they all flourish and few take big steps. But... The point that Martin uh, and I've made in recent weeks as well is about consistency. And mm. 
unfortunately that's not something that's associated with with a team full of very young players. No. So you know, Gust- Gusto played better than we've seen in a long time. Barry Shealy did as well. It, looking like they've got mm. two mobile mobile centre halves transforms the sort of feeling at the back. Mm. But he's he's had some howlers for goals mm. in recent mm. weeks as well. So it's about consistency, and and I think that's why you're Pochettino saying keep saying I need time. Yeah. You can make the argument as well, say like uh, Jackson where they moved him into a wider position or whatever. In some way, that takes a little bit of pressure off him. I can remember... Freed um, up Chilwell as well. Yeah, I, but, you know, I can remember... Um, I can remember Venables doing it with Alan Smith at Leeds because he wasn't scoring and he thought it was weighing on him too heavily being played down the middle. And he moved him to a wide position. And his logic being that Suddenly, if you can get six or seven goals from a wide position, that's a good return for a winger. That's a you know six or seven goals from your centre forward is no good. Move him to a wide position, then he starts. You know the pressure is not on on him as much. Then if he starts scoring again, then he gets more confident. Then you move him back into a central position. It's interesting that Alan Smith finished up as a midfield player. He didn't finish up as a, a as a forward. You know. I'm not saying Nicholas Jackson is a midfield player, but but at the same time, that you know, little adjustments like that might come from in the end if if, if Jackson is feeling the pressure of, of of being the goal scorer and everyone's saying how many goals he misses or whatever from a wide wider position, that takes a little bit of the edge off. He can still get forward, he can still get into goal scoring positions, but everyone's not screaming at him all the time. It's sort of Rashford as well, isn't it? That, yeah, that absolutely. Sort of thing, that line of thinking. Yeah, yeah. You, you play him wide to, to yeah. build his confidence back up because the expectation isn't as high. Can I ask you a question about Villa? You can, sorry. Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah. You definitely don't. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, Aston Villa, Gregor. Um, mm. A little bit disappointing for them this season given how well they've been playing. They were a team that we picked out earlier in the season when we were talking about, oh, ideally, who would we like to win the FA Cup? Is the pressure on Unai Emery now to get a top four finish? I don't think so. I don't think you can say there's pressure on them to do it. It would be... Miraculous achievement if yeah. they did, um, and they've still got a good chance of doing so. They're still in a good position in the league. Yes, they've had a little blip here, but you know they absolutely trounced Sheffield United the weekend. Um, and I think I don't know. If possibly they're just their standards just dropped, dropped a little bit. There's a different atmosphere in the cup game as well, and and Chelsea were clearly bruised badly by uh, recent results. So. And as Martin said, I think it really was important the two early goals. It's sort of mm. the confidence that it gives Chelsea and the way that, you know, changes the game state just, you know, it set the tone and Villa struggled to get a foothold in the game after that. Still a season to celebrate for Aston Villa. Aston well you know, we'll see. That was going to be my link to the next thing. Yeah, I know, but but, but I'll say but, it again. You know, in two no, minutes. no, you can you can say <laughs> it as much as you like. I'm still coming in with this point. But the, <laughs> but the um the uh what you got to remember with Aston Villa, we're now talking about, oh, have they got to finish in the Champions League? Have they got to do this? Have they got to do that? It would be a great season for Aston Villa if they won the Conference League. If you've got to remember where they were at the start of the season. When the season began, you looked at Aston Villa's season and thought, right, West Ham won the Conference League last year. Aston Villa could win the UEFA Conference League. That would be a fantastic night for their supporters. It would be a great achievement for the club. It would be a European trophy. It would get them into the Europa League next season. It could still be 
a fantastic season for Aston Villa fans. Whether they end up in the Champions League or not, they could come fifth, they could come sixth. If they could win the Conference League, which is now the last competition, the cup competition that they're in, this would go down as one of Aston Villa's best seasons in the last 20, 30 years. Mm. Of course. A course. point cushion over, over United in sixth right now. Two over Tottenham, so it's like they're in a good position. A cause for celebration, you might say. Come on, someone team it up, for goodness <laughs> sake. You know where we're going. I've said yeah. it in the intro. Let's get into it. The Neil Mope conundrum, I think we can call this section, because um, he's definitely sparked this debate, hasn't he? But I wanted to bring another set of players into it, because, Martin, you highlighted another celebration in your column this week. Not just Neil Mope and James Madison and Neil Mope against Manchester City, but there was another incident that I wanted you to just bring to the list yeah, of no, attention before we debate it. was only something that I noticed. It was something that Alejandro uh, Garnacho did uh, against West Ham where he sort of mimicked that uh, Mohamed Kudus celebration where he sits on the advertising holding and waits for his teammates to join him. And people have said, oh, it's a Ronaldo celebration and it's his tribute to Ronaldo. But he hasn't he hasn't done it so far, but he did it against West Ham and it was funny, you know, Kudos was on the other team. And I just think it's, it's just a little something with Ganacho that when he's a, he was a fantastic player, he's been their best forward this season, you know, undoubtedly, I think. And, and yet, a couple of times when United have scored, when they've celebrated... Um, he's felt the need to like stick it to the opposing fans or, or to you know and you just think mate let the game play out because when he did it, it you know when he stuck it to the fans in, in Copenhagen when United got quite a soft penalty mm. Copenhagen then went up the other end and got an equally soft penalty and then ended up winning the game and you're thinking you know went a bit too early Galatasaray they go 2 new up and he's in, you know you're in Istanbul just don't do mm. anything to antagonise the situation. And you just think, mate, look, I'm not the celebration police. You know, do what you like. Keep trying to, you know, try and keep your trousers on. But, but the, <laughs> um, you know, but that one, you're just thinking, mate, don't rub it into the opposition. Because, you know, it's a long old career and there is going to be a moment. I'm thinking of John Aldrich ruffling uh, the Nottingham Forest player. That Was it Hall? I want to say, ruffling his, his hair in the League Cup final when the guy kicked it in his own net and then a little while later it's Aldrich that misses the penalty in the final and stuff like that and you think, it's a long old career here for mm. things to come around and, and stuff like that. Play nice, yeah, well, basically. Speak, Just well, play, you know, I'm not saying don't celebrate. I can't stand all that shushing the crowd and, no, well, you know, well, what's my name and all that we'll nonsense. Get, we'll get into that in a minute. A lot of joy but play nice. We'll get into what celebrations we do and don't like in a minute, but Tony, I wanted to then talk about your column from earlier in the week, talking about Neil Mopé's antics mm. and saying that they're part of the game, but you did have a jibe in your career that you regretted in the spirit of what Martin was saying about mm, maybe, maybe think before you speak so or repeat act. repeat a note on So tell us, <laughs> what tell, tell the listeners You're about talking of the, the story in the limo? In, in, talking about the one um, that you mentioned in the column further down when you're talking about playing for Aston Villa, playing against the lower league side. Oh yes, sorry, because I said I mentioned a few when I was. Uh, yeah, well, you well, can tell I'm, us about the limo in a minute. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> yeah. The um, look, the years years gone by, the, you would always the money one was the one. Yeah, have you ever yeah. ever played against the lower league, or yeah. you were in the lower league team mm. like I played uh, for Gillingham against Spurs? Money was the one that was always thrown at you. How much you want to win between players? Between players on the pitch, it was always the money one. That was the the original sort of sledging that mm. went on. 
Well, I then done it um, uh, when I was playing for Villa, and um, I've I've said to like, oh, another day, another dollar to a player on the. Well, I think it was Walsall we were playing at the time, and uh, and then I've gone, oh no, it's another day, another grand. I just signed a contract for seven grand a week, and I've just repeated, <laughs> gone, another day, another grand. Just back out. And I, but I immediately felt I was him. Like a muppet. Yeah, I felt so bad because I felt I was. What am I doing? I was the League One player before. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. know, having that, and then I've just. And I remember thinking, I think it was Paul Miller who said it to me, something on the picture one day playing for Spurs about money. And I remember thinking, you big time, Charlie. You sound yeah, yeah, You know, you yeah, do. Yeah, you just yeah. do that. And then I've done that. I've done that jibe, and I instantly regretted it. I felt what an idiot. What am I doing? Like you know. What was the one in the limo then? The one in the limo is when. We were at Chelsea, and Chelsea at that time had Vinnie Jones, Dennis Wyatt, Andy Townsend, Dave Bessel, and many, many others. We had quite a Kerry Dixon, quite a lively group, a bunch of lads. And um, None of them go to we're, we're, at all. We're, 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 we're going uh, to Canada. So we're going to Vancouver on a flight, and we're all at Heathrow. And on the flight, Dundee United are on the flight. Okay. Where are you going to Canada? Pre-season? It was a mid-season tour, right, right, and we, right. we played a game out there. And Dundee United were... So the lads are on there. Dundee United are on the back and all that. Anyway, oh, so you're in the fancy seat. Yeah. Well, no, we're in the premium economy. But oh, right. the, 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 the Dundee United were... Uh, even that was star treatment then. But anyway, we arrive in Vancouver. We get our bags. And we now learn, as we're getting our bags, we're, le- we're, here, we're getting on the same bus as the Dundee United players. Right. So I think it was Vinny who led it. But they did it. Anyway. Ah, we ain't getting on the bus with him. We'll get a limo. And Ian Portfield, the manager at the time, was okay. We said, Gaffer, we're going to get a limo. So, is that okay? And he went, yeah, he thought it was funny. So he just said, we're going to get a limo. So we got this limo that drove alongside the bus. And we're playing cards and we're out the window. <laughs> and we're looking at the lads and we're going, put your foot down, slowing down, go past the limo. And we could see the Dundee United players with half the Chelsea squad because there was about five or six of us in his limo. And we're having drinks and whatever. And um, I've got there, and I, I, it was very funny at the time, but I get to the hotel, I get to the hotel, and one of the coaches at Dundee United and went, that was good, wasn't it? And I went, <laughs> uh, he went, well, it was a bit weird, he said, because a lot of lads were thinking, you were shit at Celtic. <laughs> <laughs> he said, thinking, what's he giving it the large one? But I, <laughs> they killed me. He absolutely killed me. And I thought, fair point. Fair it's point. Fair point, yeah. Like, it was just a... Good put, good put down though. I'll give him but that you, one. It's a good but slow you build. Never know. You, you never know who or what you're up against. I mean, yeah. this is nothing to do with goal celebrations. But there was a there was a press conference with England once, and I hope nobody mind me telling this story. But I'm going to tell it anyway. We'll find out uh, after you've yeah, told. We'll it. find out afterwards when we get sued by everybody. But the uh, there's a press conference with England, and it was David Beckham's press conference, and he had just come second in the European Football of the Year or something like that. It wasn't the Ballon d'Or, but I think it was the European Football of the Year. It was the same week, or a week after, Victoria just released her first single and it had got to number two. It hadn't hadn't made number one. Great tune, Dean Bowers. Rob Shepard has written an intro about the European Football of the Year Along the lines of, it's, he probably wrote it a lot better than I'm going to say it, but it was a very clever intro. He said, you know, David Beckham, just like his missus, can't get the number one without the rest of the team. Which, 
Which David has taken sort of personally as if he's having a dig at Victoria, which he wasn't at all. It was just a joke about him coming number two, she was number two or whatever. So at the end of the press conference, he's had the press conference with England and he said, uh, Shep, he said, uh, you know, I didn't appreciate what you said about Victoria. So Shep's gone up, David. It was, a, it was a joke. It was just a joke, nothing about Victoria. He said, no. He said... How many number ones has anyone in your family ever had? Now, the thing is, anybody else in that room, <laughs> he could have said that too. Yeah. And you're yeah, going to win. Yeah. You're going to win. Rob Shepard's sister, stepsister, was a session singer. She's the female voice on Video Killed the Radio Star. <laughs> <laughs> so he said it to the one person in the room who can turn around and say well one actually yeah no. <laughs> guess my sister sung video killed the radio star another I absolutely kills it stone dead another cracking put down but I want to come back <laughs> I want to come back to celebrations though because we're talking about kind of you know um, winding people up and things celebration wise Kaz I was looking um, at pictures as I was saying in the intro I think you've got good grounds to sue Alan Shearer when you look at your celebrations. You were you were way ahead of him with the old hand in the air. Yeah. Sometimes the two hands in the air. Mm. Little grin. You just kept it simple. And then he came along and nicked it. And now everyone thinks it was his. Well, when you've done it 267 times. Oh, you're really? <laughs> <laughs> we're right in it no, now. No, I, I didn't. I wasn't, I'm, I wasn't very elaborate in the way. I just... I wasn't a breather. <laughs> you know, getting goals and... It was really weird because when you remember the description as, you know, scoring a goal is better mm. than having sex, you know, yeah. that, that. I always say, it's not, it's more like masturbation. It's a great relief. The amount, as a joke, because I found goals was a relief. <laughs> You know, as in scoring and, you know, you're under pressure as a forward to get goals. And... Do you remember when I was trying to hurry you up through your Aston Villa chat? I said, this is why, you see. I knew yeah, it'd be yeah, good, gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, but no, I wanted to... <laughs> anyway, right, Gregor, how do you follow that? Um, I know you didn't score many goals in your time. But so I was did... the opposite, though. I would run around like loose Like limb, a lunatic. Because you did score from a corner. Bambi. Direct yeah. from a corner once, didn't I you? I did, yeah. That was a shock. I did the same, I think. Yeah. Charging around. People Just... gave up chasing me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you? Did either of you ever play in dressing rooms where there was like thought through? Because the kind of thing we're talking about now, you know, Mope, and you know, they're kind of, tra oh, of they're almost like trademark I'd love, celebrations. I would, love, I would have loved to have Mope in my team. Mm. Oh, no, but why? Because because of his celebrations or because he's a wind-up merchant? Because I, I, cause he's a wind-up merchant, but that, the celebrations is part mm. of it. Yeah. He did it with the dart throwing like, yeah. against Spurs. Mm. Like, I, I played with one player. I won't say it was, but it was like similar to this. Say and he would, it. And he would, he would do anything say to antagonise the team, like the, the fans, anyone. Like, and it's great. Yeah. And the thing that happened, you know, clearly now we're talking about was he doing it at the right time because he did it early against Spurs and which is Martin's point about you got to time you got to time yeah. It, oh yeah right? I mean look Garnacho you know and Garnacho was a sort of harmless thing it was just something I noticed I wouldn't have even mentioned it or noticed it had it not been for the Copenhagen Galatasaray yeah. uh, ones mm. as well where you're thinking you know 
he's got this habit of trying to. But it was a really good one else when he scores, and you know, it's... it was a really interesting point though, because in the column you make the point that a lot of people ign- missed it because the actual visual the was visual of was Nainu Ho- Hoyland. And as I say, as a, as an editor, I saw it and went, "What a great oh, picture! A That's Manchester United's future, future Manchester, and blah blah blah." Didn't even think United. actually he's Nick Kudus's celebration. Yeah. But so coming back to the point, Tony, about. Um, you know, orchestrated, pre-planned celebrations. Yeah. Any, any teammates or in any dressing rooms for a bit of that? Well, I, I mean, I've, I've witnessed ones that only you could describe. I mean, Ad Bayor doing the length for the pitch against Arsenal when he was a Man City, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, there's no way on earth he's fault. If I score against these, I'm going to No, that's it. just euphoric. Yeah. I'm talking about you know, more kind of like, you know, the shine the shoes and all that kind of stuff, the kind of joyful, daft ones. One of the great all-time ones for me is South Africa's first goal in their World Cup when they were hosting and the dance moves after yeah. Shabalala. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that com- so it then leads me on to a thing about which Martin touched on before, uh, kind of joy and exuberance against the kind of cool Cristiano Ronaldo-esque. Because always... speaking about Manchester United, we mentioned Kobe Mainu and that brilliant goal that he mm. scored against Wolves. The only bad thing I found about it was that he did the kind of calm down you know, I'm cool. I'm cool as out yeah, here, I, and yeah. I was just thinking, you're 18, lad. You just <laughs> scored in the 97th minute. Well, Thierry Henry used to do that, and there was no footballer that brought more joy really than Thierry Henry. But he used to be a big one for putting his hands, finger to his lips, mm. and stuff. And you think, oh come on, mate, run around a bit and <laughs> yeah. smile. You know, you just I think we are getting goal, dangerously yeah. close to being the cele- celebration police here now. Oh no, no we, we are. absolutely, yeah, true. we no, absolutely are. I, I, I didn't agree with Martin before when he said we're not the celebration police. I was like, we See, absolutely. I was actually are. a bit different about mine as well. Well, I thought, crikey, I, as I say, I did. I jumped around like an absolute fool. And like, and look back and you go, oh my God. He, that felt like, he was like, yeah, I belong here. Yeah, I know. I know and there's an element after of I belong celebrations, here. But... He was right up to the fans yeah, afterwards. Yeah, true, true. So Maybe like, I'm being harsh. Yeah, I don't know. I did. Some, someone like Mopai, it's like, he's clearly, he, he, he's, every minute he's on the pitch, he wants to wind up the opposition. Yeah. He mm. thinks he can get a benefit from it. Often he does. People kick him. People like, mm. you know, he winds people up. It's like we did with, with Walker. There's no, like, there's no limits. No. See, the, that's, that is, usually it works. Mm. That's yeah. the truth. But it backfired against Spurs. So, so, so I'm sure you'll see you you well, you're going to You don't mind You're going to get beat by Man City whether you wind well, you up Carl Walker or not. Yeah. But. Think of Mopay and what Plaz has probably said to him when he's doing what he did at Spurs and you know, and, then, and, and Plaz is on the pitch for Everton, you know, your period at Everton. It, it literally was brought up on the pitch to him. You were so-and-so, so-and-so at Everton. And you already feel like he's got a bit of an advantage. He does love doing it. Hmm. Um, I worked with Natalie Sawyer and she's knows Mopay from Brentford days and she's interviewed him mm. said oh he loves really unsettling the opposition yeah. he the really Wimbledon gets and he's good at it mm. yeah. the old Wimbledon team did I'm yeah. trying to remember who, the, who was the fullback the one who broke Terry his Thielen? no the fellow who broke his leg and went off pretending to row it like a canoe he was one of the original crazy <laughs> gang broke his leg he's being carried off on a stretcher and he sits oh, yeah. up in the, in the stretcher <laughs> and starts doing that as if, he's, as if he's uh, running a, he's, he's like it's yeah. earlier, it's earlier. But he turns around to uh, Phil Thompson at uh, Anfield and, you know, looks at him, look, keeps staring at him and Thompson says, what? And he's looked at him and he's gone, I tell you what, mate, Walt Disney couldn't draw your face. Uh, <laughs> and stuff like this. Um, Martin, Euro 96, yeah. Paul Gascoigne, yeah, the dentist yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was yeah. definitely, that was... One of the all-time iconic ones. Yeah, and well, also a rep- that, that was planned, in terms, in terms planned, of riposte. shouting them to get the water yeah, yeah. bottle or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was shouting. How, how was that perceived at the time? 
at the time, look, we'd, we'd just beaten Scotland. We were back into it. We played really well in the second half. He'd scored a hell of a goal. He'd as well, scored a hell of a goal. You could tell you um, it was perceived in Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? So you can't take yourself too seriously. I mean, obviously, that's a, that's a dig at all the people who criticise England over their behaviour in Hong Kong or mm. whatever. But you can't take yourself too seriously about it. So you know that that <laughs> they've won. They're you know they're they're, they're They've got themselves back into it. They played really, really well. I can't remember. It, you know, didn't go down badly. It didn't go down badly. Well, not, we'll also, not mentioned like the the thing that's really sparked us was like Odegaard and, and Arsenal yeah. after the win. Yeah, like, you know, getting a camera and like how yeah. how jubilant they were, and that's people seem to be really. It's almost, you know, and there's the thing about the team photos afterwards in the changing yeah. room and stuff now, like. I don't, know why, I don't know why people are angered by that. No, like, did you it's have the a, idea so, that you can be too happy. That I, I don't, uh, I don't agree. But the, with I guess, that I guess the thing. kind of um, lazy uh, sum up of Jamie Carragher's argument was that you know it's the middle of the season, you've not won anything yet, which is what the kind of pragmatist would say. But you know, in your playing days, if you'd won a big game, yeah. would the celebrations be slightly bigger than if you'd just you know got a point or whatever against? Of course, the, yeah, of course. But he's, but I th- you know, a lot of the guys that, that are making these the, these arguments were like serial winners. They're played for clubs where. Winning those games, those big games, was like a yeah. habit, and then so they want to kind of project this image of like real professionalism. It's like this is what we should be doing. Mm. Arsenal aren't there yet, mm. like, and so maybe he's you know his argument is to get there. This is part of it. I don't. I'm. I'm not sure. I think just win more of those games, and you probably see a little less exuberant celebrations. Over ninety five percent of you go back to the music side. Don't have number ones. Yeah. It's okay. So when you're a footballer, high nineties don't win things. Mm. Mm. You know so. There is a road to winning, and if you know, I knew a lot of the Wimbledon boys, and when they won the FA Cup against Liverpool, you know, they celebrated bigger and better than anybody. Yeah. I mean, and you knew that before the game. They were celebrating before the game, yeah. like because they were just trying to unsettle you. Yeah. But they were brilliant at it, and that's why all of them, nearly to a man, ended up having big moves in their career. I also mm. think there's more. Go- like, this is not to say anything about football in the past, but there's more goes into. Like a game plan for every single game now. Mm. If you think about, you know, Ham, read Hamza's piece about the sort of the hybrid pressing, the way their game plan was very clear about the way that they tried to try to stop Liverpool, and it worked. You know, they all spent all week working on the same mm. the same patterns of play and the same you know pressing triggers and all that kind of stuff. Well, Greg, so it's, like, it's, it's just some I don't know. I mm. think the culmination of a of a week's work and a big performance. Let them enjoy it. High fiving defenders. For making a clearance, yeah. I mean, we in our day we we would never have done that. No, you know, everybody high fiving, you know, you might go well done, and that's about it. But now yeah. you're seeing literally high fiving when they make big, a great challenge. Big big tackle, big clearance off the line. You must have given it big licks, wouldn't you, for a big big goal saving tackle? A ruffle of the hair, little yeah. ruffle of the hair. <laughs> this is a modern, but this is a modern thing. This sort of. Um, now that everyone is far more in tuned into the psychological side of it, and it's American team, sport. It's it's all of you know. You watch you watch England play cricket. Every single time someone puts back to ball, they meet up in the middle and they fist bump. Yeah. <laughs> well done. I'm thinking it's a forward defensive. What, what are you talking about? Well, but it's a little fist bump. Keep going, mate. 
and that's and that's yeah. modern. That is that is modern yeah. sport. And the celebration stuff. And oh, it's too early. You always get it's like people who say to you when you write something. Oh, you know, why don't we wait till the end of the season? Because Man City are going to win it and stuff like that. And go, all right. Then what I'll do with the column next week will be a big blank space, and it'll be what Martin's going to do, and he's going to wait four months. Sue wins the league, and then tell you that they've won the league, and 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 that that you know. That he could have seen that, and uh, yeah, that's it's that's not what Enjoy the, the journey. That's the, the, yeah. the, the journey is the, is the thing. So after every game, you're sort of formulating an opinion. You're changing this. You're, you you know you're fine tuning that. Well, I think, mm, this this looks as if this could you know, this way. You don't sit there and go, all right. Well, you know, no one celebrates a goal until May the eighteenth. When we all see where everyone's mm. finished, and, that's and then you when celebrate we... in accordance of position uh, 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 in the table. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> twelve, twelve is league, a little you know, clap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, six. You can get a few drinks yeah, in, and only you, beers though. Yeah, if you come rock bottom, down, you just you have to be head, yeah, head, head down. Yeah, rock bottom, you just keep ground. slapping yourself on the floor, <laughs> you know, all the way down the tunnel. You know, I think we're onto something. Yeah, look, if when we're kids and we have this a lot, where you go to the schools, everyone's getting a medal for everything. I've done presentations in my latter years of my career, and everyone in the world's got a medal. And I think, well, when you're a pro, surely we can all celebrate when we have great times on the pitch. Absolutely. Mm. Well, speaking of you, that journey can go to lots of different clubs. And so the one mm. I wanted to finish on, as we have, we've turned into the celebration police, we might as well own it now for at least 20 minutes. But the thing but I we're not to... arresting anybody. We're not. See, this is the we're thing. Not. Just you warnings. Know, just some warnings. of the celebration police want people arrested. Just you know? warnings. But the one I wanted to finish on is scoring against your former club. And Tony, I'm going to come to you last because mm. I know you've got a story. Martin, any views on the whole? No, no, I couldn't possibly. Yeah, I do think some of it is a little bit ridiculous. You know, you've got someone who won't celebrate against a club he was on bloody loan at, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and, you know, you think, mate, you're only here two months. Gregor, you know, do you ever celebrate? I agree against? if there's like... Because you played, you know, lots of different clubs... With, you must have, you, but you must have played against Dennis your Law former not club. celebrating against Manchester United exactly. at that time. That's the point, I, I can, I can get that. I can understand that. Got a huge association with a club, like, and he's, re- and the he's club relegated them. Yeah, and he's relegated for their yeah. rivals. Yeah. I mean, but at that's the game. bar. But that's their bar, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah bar. I think so. I mean, but you must have played against your former teams before, haven't you? By playing yeah, in the I mean, football league, discussed already. I think if I liked how many goals I scored. Tom. No, no, but you might have been involved in celebrating for a teammate or whatever. You know, being involved in the celebrations, or did you yeah, ever consciously go, no, no, I'm just going no show chance, my respect no. to crew in Northampton here. I'm going to keep my head down. No, but but as I say, if you're if there's a club you have a, a like a really long association with and deep ties, then I could understand why someone would do that. But otherwise, God, no. Yeah, I agree. Like I, I remember to leave, Levi Colwell. Against Brighton yeah. earlier in the season, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he, he actually started hearing off. He was like, "Oh, because he didn't score often." He's like, "Yes," and then, "Oh, oh, wait there, <laughs> yeah. sorry." And he picks hands up. He I think of all the different newspapers. I, I think of all the different newspapers I've worked for. If I scored against the Sunday people, <laughs> I don't think I'd celebrate because they're they're in enough trouble already, and um, and they gave yeah. me my first job, and yeah. you know they were fantastic. Last I scored week. against the Daily Express. I go nuts. Last <laughs> so speaking of going nuts against your former team, Tony Cascarino, um, you Millwall. Yeah, I'm playing for Villa. It. I left Millwall, and what fans don't know is that. You know, what happened me leading up to going to Villa, I was basically, the fee was agreed and I went back to the club. I didn't agree with Villa straight away. Went back and I was there a week and the, I got called into the secretary, Graham Halltop, and he said to me, you've got to go to Villa. It's We need the money. We need you to go. And I said, OK. And they ended up offering me some money to go to put the package together that I asked for. So I go to Villa and we play Mill in the Cup at Villa Park. 
Um, and it's nil-nil, and every time I get the ball, I'm hearing Judas shouts, you know what I mean? I'm thinking, it went on for about 45 minutes to an hour. Anyway, I scored, didn't I, against Millwall. And I've gone straight at the Millwall fans. Full out of bail. No, not as bad as that. No, no one was bad as that. No but I'm literally giving it back, right? Because I've, I've, I've been called Judas all game, and like yeah. this is, you know, I'm thinking, well, this, they wanted me to go. They also, you know, they are... Put me, you so know, what are you giving it? And there you go, you nasty so so and giving There was a few signs at me and whatever, and I'm giving Single it back. Then as I'm doing it, I'm thinking, you idiot, your family are from South London, <laughs> right? Um, I'm there a lot, and I'm also, a lot of people remember that, and probably not the best fans to do it to in front. <laughs> so I've sort of calmed myself down. But it's, it's a, it was at that time a bit of a tricky one. Yeah. I mean, I did it for Nancy against Marseille, and I, I thought I was going to get a brilliant reception and didn't. No. I thought they were going to be fine with me scoring. Mm. You know, not, okay, they don't want me to score, but I didn't think I'd get the reaction I got from Marseille fans to me. You know, me scoring against their club, mm. which was quite a surprise, but I didn't go nowhere near as far as I, uh, as I did with Millwall. It's well, all part it, of the theatre, isn't it? It is, yeah. it is. Well, if you're part, if you're part, you want to be part of the theatre and give us some views on celebrating, or maybe you're a Millwall fan who still hasn't forgiven Tony Cascarino for leaving. I know, they're Western all good Bill. now, they're all good. I've, I've made it up. They'll still be the odd one out there. They might have, you might have sparked some memories telling that story. You can get in touch with me, tom.clark at thetimes.co.uk and uh, we might read out some ideas on Monday's show. But stick with us, we're going to be talking about cooling off periods and Jesse Lingard next listening to me daisy apple's iphone disassembly robot is dismantling an iphone into lots of recyclable parts that's how apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods thanks daisy there's more to iphone Welcome back to the Game Football Podcast from The Times. I'm Tom Clark, and today I'm joined by Martin Samuel, Tony Cascarino and Gregor Robertson. Hope you enjoyed that little break. You could call it a cooling-off period, which leads me perfectly onto Martin Ziegler's story in The Times this week, which is headline, Referees could be allowed to enforce cooling-off periods. A potential law change will be discussed by IFAB next month in a bid to improve participant behaviour, with a sin-bin trial set to be approved. It's that time of the year again. More ideas. How to change football. Martin? Cooling off periods. Yeah, I know. I think Before we throw it to the former pros. I think this one's nonsense. I, I, I look, some of the ideas, uh, Simbins, I have long been an advocate of Simbins, particularly, specifically for dissent. Right. Um, where you don't really want to change the numbers of the game for too long over over dissent. Um, but if you're, if you're 10 minutes stood next to your manager particularly if you go 1-0 down during that period, I don't think that's something you're going to be doing you know, next week or the week after. I think it would stop it. One that never gets discussed, which I would definitely be in favour of, is um, what they call self-pass rule. It happens in hockey, it happens in rugby. You can put the ball down instead of having to pass to uh, for a free mm. kick. You can put the ball down. Instead of having to pass to one of your team, you can just put it down and play it yourself. You can, you mm. can run with it. And that if you see it work in hockey, it cuts out dissent overnight because mm. you can't start arguing with the referee because the game's going to go on. So, you know, the minute the referee blows for a foul, 
you'll just get back into position. Mm. And it doesn't greatly alter the game because once a team gets back into position, you can't get that far with a self-pass. People say, oh, someone will just stand in front of the ball. If you stand in front of the ball, you get sent to the sim bin. So you're off the field for 10 minutes. So it all links and it all makes this joined up coherent structure out of discipline of game. I'm not quite sure a cooling off period where everyone's just basically cramping up for two minutes whilst staring each other out and saying, right, we're ready to go in another two minutes. And, you know, I'm not sure that necessary unless you know unless the cooling off period is where everyone goes to the bar and has a couple of beers together and then makes up and then comes out again um well, i'm Martin not quite Ziegler's sure story, that works just to just to come in on that point um in martin's eagle story it says the exact length of the cooling off period is still exactly. under discussion but lasting a number of minutes with players separated by match officials into different areas it's like i mean i've never had I kids mean, but it's the whole you know go to really, your naughty step does a ref not already try and do that when yeah. like when there's coming together whatever you get the captains together don't you and you say tell your players to calm down or or, or whatever the the conversation is or gets the two players who've just had a a a fight or whatever um together and and calm down and shake hands or or, or whatever Mm. and that happens any it just seems unnecessary there's much easier things you can do that don't alter the structure of the game plus how long before the cooling off period gets sponsored yeah. by, you know, cool off with, you know, <laughs> air conditioning or something company. like an air conditioning unit or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, it breaks for adverts and, and stuff. And then, you know, you begin to suspect that the referees are actually told to put in a cooling off period because they've just sold the advertising for however much. <laughs> We're uh, a cynical podcast. Oh, we're a very cynical podcast. <laughs> I can see it, though. That's yeah, the thing. Absolutely. That's, 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 we can all see it. That's the way it comes from. Gregor, cooling up period. Ever been yeah, in a game uh, when it would have been useful? Yeah, of course. But as I say, I, I don't see what... The cooling off period would come after people have been cooled, cooled down a bit, I think. Because yeah. the referee still has to intervene if there's like you know, a brawl or something. Once that's happened, then you say, oh, we're having a cooling off period. Like, well, I think we've probably cooled off now. Thanks, mm. ref. I don't really see what the... I, I agree with Martin, the Simbin is, is interesting. It's something I would like to see explored further. Mm. But I need to see the other two kind of things in in that in Martin's piece about they're going to say that the penalty... A penalty now has... The ball has to cover or shadow the centre of the penalty spot. Mm. Like, what... It mm. so, feels like law changes for the sake of it. That yeah. one Sanitise the well, game, mm. basically. No, I mean, in many but, different ways. We've had this discussion before how, how many laws there are, and they're going to make uh, more ha- deliberate handball in the box uh, a or, straight, or, red, straight red, red. Straight red card. <clears throat> I think this, the laws need to be simplified. Yeah. Not, we don't need to keep adding these layers and I know, layers. It's, your, and ca- layers it's and your catchphrase for when you run for the presidency of IFAB, Gregor. Simpl- Bonfire regulations. Simplify, <laughs> simplify, <laughs> simplify. But no, so, Tony, in terms of your, your say on the kind of cooling off period, presumably um, not a fan. <clears throat> well, no, my love of football is that it's always been controversial, sometimes toxic, sometimes horrible, sometimes embarrassing. It's the number one sport in the world. And if we keep going down this road of sanitising it to a degree of every little thing, yes, there are problems within the game. And I'm quite happy with a like a Simbin scenario of get off the pitch and you're off. A, you know, football will react. Coaches will react. Players will react to the laws that you're making. And if they can find an advantage, they will. But I don't want to get away from the love of the game that I always felt. Yeah, there are things wrong with it, but... 
you, you don't want a perfect system in football, do we? Simbin's been a huge success in am, like amateur ranks, and it's been tested. Mm. Um, How long would you have a Simbin for? Would you have a set time, or would it be judged maximum ten minutes, five minutes? What would you think? So ten minutes seems like ten minutes seems quite a long time. Ten man. minutes, I mean, a lot can happen in ten minutes. Yeah, but yeah. simplify. So if it's ten minutes, it's ten yeah. minutes. It's got to be. It's got to be a proper deterrent. If it's yeah. if it's five minutes or you know two minutes or. But whatever, there, is, there is an issue, might... Martin, with this as well. Is that if it's a ten minute, obviously punishment. Mm. Now, are the opposition going to slow the game down to? enable their player to get on quicker mm. you know club, this is how I'm thinking how coaches will think and players on the pitch will think if he's off for 10 minutes and it's now 6 minutes slow down walk to the take the throw in and you know well, then as you, slow but, as you can but, so but, we get of course or then you stop in the game but then it's got to all be joined up exactly so time wasting becomes an yeah. issue it works in other sports it, yeah. it works in rugby it works in hockey hockey has a green yellow red card system you've really got to do something bad mm. in hockey to get a red card. See, this is the other thing. Once you've got a Simbin, you you sort of bring that level... Of, you know, a red card becomes much more serious if you've got a Simbin because you've got other options. Now, I'm talking about making it just for dissent, but I know that they're talking about making it for some other offences mm. as well. Well, the more you spread that out, the more a red card becomes... I think if you get a red in, in hockey, you're quite probably not coming back for two months. Because there are so many other stages of, of, of punishment that you can get to avoid getting a red card, that that is really reserved yeah. for something very, very serious, and you're probably out for two months. You're probably banned for two months because they don't even have... You can get two simbins in hockey because you can be simbin for a certain offence and then you can be simbin for another offence it doesn't uh, it, it doesn't add to a totting up thing it's not like two yellows make a red in hockey you can get two yellows and come back on the field so a red card becomes one absolutely last resort and two once you've been sent off you know you, 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 you've crossed a line you're not playing for two months. Uh, see, I, I would only have it for 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 dissent. For dissent, yeah, that would be my because layers, that just adds more layers of subjectivity yeah. about what what constitutes a. So, if it's not quite a red card, okay, we'll sin bin them for like yeah. if we're talking about tackles and stuff. No mm. way. You get VAR in the sin bin on the dissent. Mm. So can we have okay. the lip readers in, please? The, th just... the, the main point to say is that like they seem to be trying to take all these explore all these different avenues that will give a referee another option, another sort of weapon, mm. because. Every year or every few years, there's a directive about if you surround no, you know, if you do surround the referee, if you if you swear at the ref, whatever, you're booked. And we're seeing that actually to to managers this season. It has, mm. you know, they have actually, you know, bared their teeth. But it always fades away. The referees never, after a period of time, mm. have the kind of do you think it's faded away to, to continue booking? Definitely Just, been more bookings. I think even going to watch like Lincoln games and things, far more bookings. We've had a lot of like. Second, second yellow red cards. Like I think it. I think. It, I ones. think from the start of the season, it's faded. Do you think? Interesting. Well, maybe we should explore that. Maybe we'll have but a look. It, at it. It. Coming to a Times article near you sometime soon, Tony. You were going to say. Well, no, I was going to say that the problem is what we talk about in two twenty four, in two thirty four, the rules going to be much softer, mm. and mm. It, you can get punished even harsher. You know, and, and that's what bothers me because I, I've always said, well, penalties ten years ago. Think of ten penalties. What are they going to be in ten years' time? If, yeah. mm. if we're giving pens for this now, 
What are they going to be in 2034? And that's going to be the same with laws, that we're just going to get make them so soft that not doing hardly anything wrong can get you a yellow card. In terms of changing these laws, and Gregor, you kind of touched on it there by giving referees more teeth, do you think this would help or hinder refereeing further down the pyramid and into the like amateur game in terms of, you know, on the park or whatever, the idea you could sin bin someone for telling you to F off? I think it already has helped. I think, as I say, there's been like trials and it's it's been shown to be a huge success. And I can understand even the cooling off thing being different because there's not TV cameras. There's not like the eyes of thousands of people on, on what's going on in the pitch. Mm. So, you know, it may be <laughs> the referees have to say, right, guys, separate, go back into mm. your own areas. But still, as I say, I think that's what they're trying to, that's what they try and do when something kicks off anyway. So that's mm. not something I'm really hugely supportive of. We're almost trying for a level of perfection in all areas of football whether it's the balance sheet or whether it's you know mm. the, we, you know you, you're almost setting sort of quite unrealistic targets I remember a pal of mine who was a lawyer talking to, we were talking about you know racism in football and, and everything and he said you know one of the problems is the FA's ambition for Racism before, so zero tolerance. He was talking about. He said, "But it's more than zero tolerance. It's like zero racism. What we're aiming for is zero racism." And he said, "Well, you that can only ever be defeated." He said, "Because you're never going to get zero racism." He said, "You always look as if you failed if you set." zero as your target and, and it's not like you say oh we'll tolerate you know five percent of racism it's not a case of what you tolerate but if you say our target is zero, zero he said it only needs one one person at one football match to shout something out and the policy's failed hmm. he said so you know you always feel like you're failing you always feel like you're fighting this losing battle and it, in many ways it's a similar sort of thing with what we want football to be because you want this perfect game where every decision is is completely right and everything works absolutely swimmingly and no club ever gets in trouble and no club ever and you're thinking this is completely unachievable you know someone is mm. going to mess up someone is going to get their sums wrong and make a mistake in the transfer market and it's going to get relegated and they won't be able to sustain the, the, what they're doing that will happen Someone will make a mistake. This this will go... You know, we've got VAR and the Tottenham-Liverpool game showed that VAR, if someone in the VAR room makes a mistake or mishears something or misinterprets or isn't paying attention, that can go wrong. No matter how many television cameras you can point at an incident, it can still go wrong. So we are aiming for these lofty, uh, beyond lofty ideals that... Um, it will always feel as if football is failing as a sport if you don't allow some tiny, yeah. tiny, uh, make some tiny, tiny allowance See, for someone just making a mistake. My least favourite word, example, is my least favourite word. Because <laughs> yeah. you can give an example of anything. Yeah, bankrupt. In one, in one example of anything. Like what Martin's talking there about mm. being zero. There's always one example. Mm. And that's why I because we could bring up something and we can someone will reference this happened in 1956. 
Mm. You know, but how much relevance has it got on a general yeah. basis over the course of thousands of games? Yeah. Mm. Well, speaking of examples, let's talk about a footballer. You're going to interrupt me again when yeah, I'm doing I'm a lovely link again off with the back. another one of your perfectly crafted links. Um, <laughs> we, we, should, we, we will do a greatest hits show at the end of the year, listeners. Where there's just links. There's no Greg or hey. Tony or myself. It will just be Tom's links. Um, you know, for Tom, for the Tom dot Clark there. at the times if you want. To <laughs> yeah, hear yeah. If you want the Tom, if you want the Tom's links show, but um, precedent is another thing yeah. where people go, oh, well, this sets a precedent, and you go, yeah, but that's a really bad precedent to set. So why can't we just look at that and think, yeah we can either keep doing that which we now know was a total mistake yeah. or we can just go we made a really bad mistake about 10 years ago we're not going to do that again boys <laughs> and girls we're going to do the complete opposite even though that's inconsistent because what we did before was, was wrong <laughs> you know the Go- penalty spot no you're going as well now for god's <laughs> sake the penalty spot is like a perfect analogy for what for the overthought, the over the overthinkingness mm-hmm. going on in in mm. IFAB. Yeah. That they think a law is necessary for where on the penalty spot, which is how big? Yeah. Where the ball has to be on the penalty spot. Mm. That's the perfect example. There you go, Tony. Yeah. Of the the madness at mm. IFAB. Yeah, because everyone's sitting around basically thinking... How can we improve the game? How can we do... Well, yeah, what can we do? You've got by to trying, be... Overthinking how you try and improve it, they be, make it worse. Because if if IFAB... If IFAB, they say, right, so, you know, what could be done to improve the game? If, if everyone in IFAB turned around and went, actually, it's pretty good. It's pretty good as it <laughs> is. It's, it's, it's lasted about 150 years, exactly as it is. No problem at all, really, you know. They go, all right, well, no one's getting any expenses for the next year for all these meetings, and no one's being put up in any hotels because you've come up with nothing. So they've got to keep coming up with stuff. Going, Lucky oh, they're not doing do this, this podcast. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, exactly. You know. Ready? Yeah. Anyway, good points, lads. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. I can't be bothered. So, yeah, Jesse no, Lingard, exactly. discuss. Jesse, no cares. Over to no. you. <laughs> See if I give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> He's been working on puns. I put four, I, 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 we said put... shit four times on Monday show, and now I've gone for a fuck as well. See if we can really get into it. Oh, no, 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 this will get the show cancelled. Jesse Lingard, everybody. Yeah. He's completed his move yeah. to South Korean side. FC yeah. Seoul, making him the highest profile player in the league, as Charlotte Dunker reports on the Times website. I wanted to finish with a discussion on him. Fascinating mm. player that he is and his career trajectory. 2018. He's a star for England in their midfield, mm. wearing the number seven shirt that many greats have graced down the years. Mm. What's happened and what do we think about his career and where it's gone? Still 31, flies into South Korea this week, uh, believed to have signed a two-year deal in the region of £17,000 a week. Interesting that in Charlotte's story she references not only a desire from Lingard to grow the game over there, but also it's fairly the, big pro- the prospect South of playing Korea, in East, East, East Asia might help him grow his own brand and business with the possibility of expanding into fashion and the restaurant industry. Martin? You'd have watched Jesse Lingard a lot for England, Manchester United, and then for West Ham, of course. What kind of a player do you think he is, was, and has he kind of, you know, not fulfilled his potential? 
Well, let's first of all start with the Korean restaurant and fashion industry. Yes. Because they seem That's the key part of They this. seem to be doing quite well on their own. I yeah, don't know I if anyone's so. ever noticed this about Korean restaurants, but they're everywhere. Korean food is regarded as one of the most cutting-edge um, things. Kimchi and all of the all of the pickle-related stuff, all, all of that <laughs> gut health <laughs> thing is the most fashionable thing in cooking at the moment. You can't move in restaurants for pickle this and pickle that. All being influenced by Korea. Their fashion industry is absolutely sensational. Yeah. They've got their own pop culture, the K-pop uh, phenomenon. They don't necessarily need, with the, all due respect to Jesse Lingard, a bloke who couldn't get in Nottingham Forest team coming over there and showing them all how to do it. Now, <laughs> maybe it's more that he wants to piggyback off that success well, that you have now that's, now, that's possible. Now, that is possible. But to return to your earlier point about football. Um, well... <laughs> Jesse Lingard was a Manchester United player. Manchester United players get marked uh, really, really closely. Hard for them to get in the game. When he went to West Ham, um, he had a run at West Ham. Uh, I think he scores nine goals in ten games when he first gets to West Ham because people aren't marking West Ham players as tightly as they're marking, you know, the amount of games that Manchester United play where everyone's all over them, trying to restrict them, 10 men behind the ball, and you know how people play the best teams. Kaz, and, and, and so um, he had that all of his career, goes to West Ham, gets a bit of freedom, looked absolutely fantastic. Unfortunately, nine goals in ten games shows your hand a little bit that mm. you're a very useful player if somebody would just leave you alone. And he didn't score for West Ham the rest of that season because suddenly everyone was playing him like he was a Manchester United player again. I always thought he was a fabulous player for England and, and so did Gareth Southgate. And I could absolutely understand why Southgate picked him even when he wasn't a regular uh, always at Manchester United because he never let England down. He turned up in matches. He scored goals. He was. He, I thought he was. He was excellent. Um, it's. It, 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 he lost his way. He, he went to Nottingham Forest. It wasn't the best move. I think West Ham would have taken him back. Um, David Moyes would have taken him back. I think. Um, I personally thought it had caught up with him at West Ham. You know, the people knew what I thought he could be in that West Ham team. He goes to Nottingham Forest. It didn't work at Nottingham Forest. He's been, you know, went to Saudi. You know, didn't get taken on after the trial with, with, mm. with Saudi. And, mm. and you, stories about him training with Barcelona and, and all of this sort of stuff. And ends up in South Korea. It's it's a shame. I, 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 he's, he's a better player than South Korea league, I think. In terms of that point that Martin's making, Gregor, about kind of being pinpointed a little bit, do you think that was part of the problem that when he went to Forest, because, you know, he's very much the kind of poster boy of the spending that summer, given a huge contract, when it came to then playing, he was seen as the star boy of that team in attack. Was that part of the problem why, why it didn't work, do you think? Yeah, the injuries. Mm. I mean, I think you'll look back now and regret... Look, I, I, it's presumptuous of me to say that, but you look back and he, he had a few offers on the table. Forrest was clearly, clearly the biggest, and it was only a year, but there, I think he probably went there with a, quite a bit of confidence after the West Ham end of the season, saying, if I have a good season here, then the next step, you know, there could be another big step, and it just hasn't worked out that way. So I think, you know, he might look back and think that was a mistake. I think he sacked his agents recently, uh, 
because there was also, you know, as Martin alluded to, there was a failure to get a few few other potential deals over the line. Um, but I'm always, you know, I've, having just said that, I'm always slightly wary about us sitting here and talking about wasted potential because you, know, you do it about people like Gareth Bale. Mm. Like, I don't... And also, the, some of the choices that he, he makes in his, you know, personal life or some of the things he's also gone through as well, I think, having, you know, if you if you look beneath it a bit... Mm. Um, you know, life's not straightforward. It's not all. You know, you can't always have one hundred percent focus on football. Only the very, very best do that. Absolutely. And he's, and he's not. You know, he he showed glimpses of that, and you know, he was. But he was always just because of his sort of social media persona, someone that people were very, very quick to to try and drag back down to earth. About remember when he signed his hundred thousand pound a week deal at United, and everybody thought that was like what? You know, that, that seems like you know that's commonplace now. But when he signed <coughs> that, it was like. How's Jesse Lingard getting a hundred thousand pounds a week? Mm. Uh, he's always been someone that people have tried to drag back down there. There'll be some people who, who'll be kind of taking a bit of pleasure and seeing him uh, going out to South Korea. But he's made the choices he has, and maybe and and you know he has other things that he's interested in away from football. And if he wanted to balance it up with how much dedication, or and I'm not saying he didn't, he's not been dedicated, but with you know balancing up football and the rest of his life, mm. that's up to him. See, there's. <clears throat> I think you get choices sometimes and you have to be... Look, football is always going to give you money. If you're doing well and playing well, there's loads of people in football who are going to give you loads of money. That's just the, the going rate. You just, It's just obvious whether you're at a club that you're at or someone who's wanting you. I remember Robbie Keane going to Inter Milan at 18, 19. And I said to Robbie in the, in the, in the room when we was uh, together with Ireland, I said, why did you choose Inter? I said, I thought it was a strange choice to him because he was such a young man. I thought, mm. well, one day, Inter's a great move, but at 18. And he said, well, tell that to my bank manager. And I remember thinking, that's a really bad answer mm. because Jesse Lingard chose money over the right move. David Moyes wanted him. And the fact that he had a good time, as Martin's alluded to, when he was there and in goals and that, David Moyes wanted him and knew how to get the best out of him. I think that's when you need to take control and go, wherever I do, I make this move not about money, because you're going to get rewarded anyway. You're going to get a decent contract. But it's, it's, easy about- to, it's easy to presume that, though, because like, if you're getting a three-year offer on X at West Ham or Newcastle or whoever it was, Fulham, I think, there was a few teams interested mm. in him. It's three years. He was getting one year, one year at Forest. So he still, as I say, yeah, he still have to back himself. I know that money, like the immediacy of that's a bigger deal, but there was less security, and now it's backfired. So you know, I'm not okay. I'd say to you, the Forest deal, I guarantee you, would have been a one year deal, and if they stay up, he'd have got a huge payment. Okay, that's how generally them deals work. Where you know he's he's on that shorter term deal and probably if it, he's probably thinking if it goes well if I'm getting this payment to stay up because lots of them do get that now that also it'd be in a great bargaining position at the end of the season yeah. my my point was more to do with about playing well you know if you go to west ham and and, and I and Moyes, I think he should have gone back there now I can't tell any player where to go I made choices in my own career that I'd look back and think well probably a bad idea at that time which one you know which one. I'm, I made the choice to go to Celtic when Did you have it was other, a you great club offers. at the wrong time, the wrong time for me. And Did I chose other it over months. Oh, yeah, I had Southampton. Right. I could have gone to Southampton. It was the right deal for me at that particular time. And I ended up choosing Celtic. I knew Liam Brady, knew him well. I knew the agent because Finton, who had worked with Liam. So it all fitted together as in this could be a bit 
good move. It failed miserably, and it failed miserably because of me mm. more than anybody because it didn't play well. But I knew I, I, well as soon as I got to Barrowfield, the training ground of Celtic at the time, I knew on the very first day I'd made a mistake. Okay, now this is where I think you have to think money out of the equation. Of course, it's important to a degree, but I think Jesse's definitely got himself in this position of why he's ended up in South Korea. You know, now he's a forgotten man and, okay, he might be the messiah and get all his followers and whatever in, in Korea. And I just find it, I thought at the time it was a very strange move to go to Forest um, in the, with that one-year deal and ending. And I think from the agent's perspective, they were going, get another big move next summer. Mm. It'd be fascinating. So he's already gone there with the idea of beyond next summer. Not about keeping Forrest up or playing a big part in that season. It's about, well, if you don't work here, we still won't be on China one year deal. Yeah, we will see what the future holds for Jesse Lingard. Chaps, thank you very much. Fascinating and varied debate with a couple of links thrown in, Martin, as well. Yeah, yeah. I was really impressed with the links. I mean, that's the only reason, <laughs> that's the only reason I ever tune into this program, yeah, just for the links. Really. Yeah, he loves it, really. Martin Samuel, Tony Cascarino and Gregor Robertson, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, too, for listening. We'll be back on Monday with the reaction to the best of the weekend's action. helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum.